You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. War machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World This Week Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national and international events to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. The producer of the program is the effervescent Kelly Whitworth. So if you've got any problems, complain to her. Not about the content, but about the technical aspects, because obviously she doesn't know what the content is, and neither do I. Of course I do, sometimes. Now, we've got some interesting things and some very boring things. But um, the first thing I'd like to comment on is uh, I'd like to... uh, Make a few comments about uh, Mick Fugel. Uh, Mick was a great 3CR supporter and a great supporter of public interest before corporate interest and he died unexpectedly last week. He was a very good friend of a, a regular listener to Community Radio 3CR, Redgum or Peter Roberts, Peter Redgum Roberts. They worked together in the... Uh, about 2009. Now, um, Mick was a real activist, a great humanitarian. I'll give you the example of what he was like when we were involved in doing the campaign for the Northcote by-election. Uh, Rick, who used to live in King Lake West, would cycle down, not on a, you know, 10-speed $4,000 bicycle. He'd cycle down an old, you know, bike to Warrandyte Station and catch the train into the city and then he'd uh, help us uh, hand out uh, literature. And uh, I remember that he came down to St Albans Station uh, during the last federal election to uh, nominate me to stand for the Senate and that took a lot of effort on his behalf. So a lot of people may not, may not have known him by name, Mick Fugel. Uh, he was uh, a real mountain man. He was burnt out in 2009, had a little bush block, about five acres, up there in uh, King Lake West uh, near Hillsville on the, uh, I think it was the Bicentenary National Park Road. And... Um, his death was totally unexpected, and uh, I'd like to extend my sympathies to his family and friends. Unfortunately, it's uh, 
my age, it seems to be an ongoing issue. People uh, dying, and obviously that's part of living. But the thing is, we need to remember those who have died because uh, everybody's contribution, especially the struggle to create an egalitarian community, is uh, critical. Without people's participation, like Mick, people giving up their time and money and uh, effort and soul and heart uh, to the struggle, the struggle would never never go forward. So uh, rest in peace, Mick Fugel. Now, look... From the important to the ridiculous, yes, I don't know if people know how Anarchist World this week is funded. The Anarchist Institute is a member of the Community Radio Federation in Melbourne, which basically owns the station. But because you're an affiliate, it gives you the privilege of actually paying uh, for the privilege to broadcast. And it costs about, oh, I reckon about... $150 a program to broadcast the Anarchist World this week, uh, every week. Now, in order to try to defray a little bit of the cost, we now have an Anarchist World This Week 3CR T-shirt. That's right. It's not the usual garbage which has been made overseas by, uh, you know, bonded slave labour that are paid a dollar an hour. Uh, these T-shirts, uh, the actual shirt itself, are made in Australia. They've been sc- screen printed at a small local business in Melbourne. And the actual shirt, the actual shirt, just a good quality shirt, is ethically made in Melbourne. So there is a cost involved, you know. If you want a $5 cheap T-shirt from Kmark, well, go get a $5 T-shirt from Kmark. But if you want a you know high-quality, locally-made, locally-screen-printed screen Anarchist World This Week T-shirt, and um, the cost helps uh, any profit made um, goes into the 3CR bank account so we can continue to broadcast the Anarchist World This Week. We've, uh, our initial order was for 100, whole range of sizes, you can pre-order now. Don't ring me, all right? Don't ring me. You can go to the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au forward slash shop, 3cr.org.au forward slash shop, or you can ring during business hour and order, pre-order now, 0394198377 during Business hours. That's Monday to Friday, nine a.m. to five p.m. There's a little bit of confusion a few weeks ago. Uh, the order's in, so pre-order now. People are snapping them up, and uh, if we sell the hundred, we'll get some more. Obviously, now the cost for an ethically made T-shirt, screen printed by a local business in Melbourne, is thirty-five dollars. You can actually pick them up at the radio station or. If you listen to this program somewhere across Australia, anywhere from Flinders Island to the Tiwi Islands, well, for $8.50, we can chuck it in a container, you know, package and send it off to you. So $3, $35 for the T-shirt, 
uh, per order if you want it posted out. That's postal and handling charges. So as I said before, ethically made in Melbourne, black shirt, red writing. If you go to the 3CR website, you can see what it looks like. 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Now let's move on. Yeah, and there are no free steak knives. Sorry, we ran out of steak knives before we did the pre-orders. Now, I do have an announcement to make today. Um, most of you will be saying, why bother? And I'll explain why bother in a second. But uh, I have finally uh, made up my mind to uh, run in the electorate of Mulgrave, which uh, incorporates Mulgrave in Springvale, in uh, Melbourne, south southeast Melbourne. Uh, the electorate is the electorate of uh, the Premier, the Victorian Premier. Mr. Well, it's not his electorate, but he's been representing the electorate since 2002. Now, Mr. Premier, Mr. Daniel Andrews, is a professional politician. I mean, I think he got a uh, some type of uh, minor degree at university and then graduated to some minister's office and then got pre-selected for the electorate of Mulgrave and has held the electorate of Mulgrave uh, since then. So he's a professional politician, as most of our politicians are these days. And, you know, I don't hold that against him. It's a good job. Pays well. Wonderful superannuation. You can make some enemies, but uh, that's the price is paying. Now, why am I standing and why am I bothering? Because a lot of people say, why bother? Now, I know... And you know, because we're not stupid, that I have a snowflakes chance in hell of being elected. Now, I know, and you know, the democracy, rule of the people, by the people, for the people, has very little to do with representative democracy when you give a representative a signed blank cheque to make decisions for you for the next four years at the state election level in Victoria or every three years at the federal level. And irrespective of what people promise you, if they are able to govern, it's uh, quite likely they won't keep that promise. For example, during the last Victorian state election, we did two things. We held a 10-day public housing protest 24 hours a day on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. And at the same time, I stood against Mr Foley, who's the housing minister in the electorate of Albert Park. Now, we were able to apply pressure on the state government, and the state government actually promised, in writing, in big ads, that they would build a 1,000 new public houses as a result of that campaign. Now, what happened once they were re-elected in a uh, landslide? Nothing. They've continued ad nauseum to privatise the public housing sector. So, why bother? I'll tell you why bother. Because it's like Mick I spoke about before, Mick Fugel I spoke about before. You bother because you can make a difference as far as people's thinking is concerned regarding issues. And that's why you bother, because you can make a difference. If no alternative ideas are raised, nothing will ever change. 
if we are resigned to the fact that nothing will ever change, nothing will ever change. If we are cynical about the possibility of change, nothing will change. Now, parliamentary democracy itself, in many regards, is about keeping those who exercise power in power. We have seen the destruction of the idea that democracy is rule of the people, by the people, for the people, by a political process which has been corrupted by the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and the investment class. About the 8% of Australians have disposable income who are able to use this country's investment-friendly laws, you know, to uh, extend their uh, fortunes. So that's why I bother. Because if you don't bother, and you have the occasional protest or even the occasional riot, it's all swept over the, under the carpet. Something else becomes uh, an issue the day after, and it's all forgotten. So the whole purpose of standing against the Premier in the electorate of Mulgrave is to raise positive human-focused reforms. And that's what this campaign, well, my campaign, not their campaign, but my, my campaign. And why am I doing it as an independent? Because unfortunately, public interest before corporate interest has not been able to be registered as a state political party to, at this stage. So it was either you either ignore the elect election or you get involved. Now, if there's anybody else living in Victoria who is interested in standing as independent on positive human-focused reforms, I would encourage them to stand. Because the more people who stand who raise ideas that don't fit the norm, the greater the possibility that the issues that are debated and people think about change. Now what are positive human focused reforms? And these are the reform this is this is the campaign which I'll be running in the electorate of Mulgrave. And it's about positive human focused reforms. And I'm sick and tired sick and tired of seeing the continuing, never ending construction blitz that has been embarked on in Victoria while human focused reforms have been totally ignored. The things what what's the role of government? Is the role of government to keep those in authority in power? Or is the role of government, even at the state level, to provide for the basic human needs of the people they govern. Now, I'm stupid enough, yeah, the key word is stupid, to think that the role of government should be the satisfaction of basic human needs, not just protecting citizens from an external threat, but protecting citizens from the internal threats we face every day. And the internal threats I'm talking about 
is basic things like food security, energy security, access to housing, access to health care, access to education and access to recreation. So what's the difference between me and Mr Andrews, a professional politician? Because I've noticed the election campaign has started in Victoria and we get these pretty pictures of these nice people telling us nothing. Platitudes. No policies. Look, you know and I know that I've got extensive life experience. Now, I could rattle off everything I've done and there'd be no time to rattle off the policies I'm interested in. But to just give you an example of the difference between Mr Andrews, the Premier of Victoria, who's known to every Australian, and Dr Joseph Toscano, who's known to 0.0001% of Australians. Now, I've been a father, a stepfather, a grandfather and a widower. I've been a radical community social activist for over 50 years. Not just an anarchist, somebody who believes in the abolition of the differences as far as power and wealth is concerned in society. I mean, anarchist is a very simple concept. I mean, people may tremble when you say you're an anarchist and they say anarchism equals chaos. The reality is government equals chaos. Government works because it's got a monopoly on the use of force, whether it's a dictatorship or a parliamentary democracy. And it uses that monopoly on the use of force to continue to look after the interests of a minority. Now, governments were initially formed to allow people who had a monopoly on the use of force to use that monopoly to exploit. And the death of Queen Lizzie highlighted, you know, the role that the uh, that particular institution had in British affairs and obviously Australian affairs. So in the 19th and 20th century, we had revolts and revolutions and, you know, people putting people in Parliament with different ideas and governments were forced through direct action to put in policies that looked after the people they ruled. Policies regarding food security, energy security, housing, health, education and recreation. So what are the policies that I'm talking about at this state election? Remember, this is not a federal election, this is a state election. So the issues can be different in terms of the responsibilities that a state government has in regards to a federal government. Now, the policies, what I describe as positive human-focused reforms, are both reformist and have revolutionary potential. And they're designed to satisfy basic human needs and help struggling micro and small businesses. That's what they're designed for. So what are the policies based on? 
One is food security. It is ridiculous in a society as rich as Australia and Victoria that people go without food, not because they're on a diet, but because they can't afford the basic necessities. And with increasing prices, we've seen this become a huge issue. So what's my food security policy? That every adult and every child who's on a social security benefit in Victoria receive a $150 food voucher every month for every adult and a $70 food voucher for every child that you're responsible for to be used at food-related micro and small businesses registered with the Victorian state government. That's right, micro and small businesses. Not the corporations, but micro and small businesses which have been struggling for a long time because, remember, 90% of the small businesses close within five years of opening. So this policy would go a long way to ensuring that people have food security and a long way to ensuring that food-related micro and small businesses continue to be exist. For example, we've got the ridiculous situation in Victoria where if you can apply you know, for a food, if you spend so much at a restaurant, right, the government will give you so much money to help your bill. I think it's 25% of the bill. It's ridiculous. How about food security for people on social security benefits who've got to go around begging for food? Or going to the multiple agencies that are out there which are providing food free for people. It should be the responsibility, not of privately funded organisations, but the responsibility of the government of the day to ensure that its citizens have food security. You go out today... Put all the plastic you've got, leave it at home, leave your phone at home, leave your cash at home and see what happens as you get hungrier and hungrier if you've got no access to any resources. Energy security. Now, we know that green capitalism is the issue of the day. Private investment for private profit. Now, energy security should be based on local energy production facilities. Not just energy security, isn't it just about cost, but it's about ensuring that blackouts don't occur. And when you have an energy system, a renewable energy system, and improved battery capabilities, it's quite relatively easy and inexpensive to build publicly owned local energy production facilities in every suburb, in every regional area in the state of Victoria and link them to the grid. The key is they need to be publicly owned, not privately owned. Public housing. What a situation we've got ourselves into. Well, we made housing an investment proposition. 
not a way of having a roof over your head. And my policy, which I'll extend later on in the program, is about public housing should be available to all Victorians who cannot afford to buy a home. Very simple. It's not a matter of building huge, you know, buildings, substandard buildings, and pushing people with problems, with the same problems, into the same space. But having a building blitz, yes, right, not a construction blitz, but a building blitz based on providing people with housing, public health. Now, I have noticed that the Liberal opposition in Victoria and the state government are on a public health auction campaign. We had a law and order auction campaign at the last state election. This time it's a public health. Uh, But again, you make all the promises you like. If you don't have the people with the skills to run the system, it's no point having a building. So, And if you don't have effective... Preventative, social and preventative medicine um, infrastructure, as we saw during the pandemic, as we continue to see during the pandemic, then your response is always substandard. Public education. Now, I know I speak about this every week and I'm sure you're bored to tears, but I'm not bored to tears. When you have private charities in this country raising money to send kids to public schools because their parents cannot afford, that's right, cannot afford to send them to school to participate in all aspects of that public education system because they don't have the financial resources. You know that we have a problem. And now, no child, in my opinion, attending a public school in Victoria should be, not, should be denied access to any activity provided by that school because their parents and guardians cannot afford the activity. And last but not least, recreation. Now, you may find this hard to believe, or you're quite well aware of it, but many people in the state of Victoria and the rest of Australia, because what I'm talking about as far as these positive human-focused reforms are concerned, you know, it covers every Australian, every state, every territory. Many people never have a holiday. Their children never have a holiday. It's all hard enough, you know, meeting your basic human needs if you don't have the resources, let alone have a holiday. Now... In my opinion, and again, this is one of the policies, everybody deserves a holiday. Every four years, every adult earning less than $1,000 per week will receive a $1,000 accommodation travel voucher and every dependent child receives a $500 accommodation travel voucher to be used in Victoria. Once again, it helps businesses, micro and small businesses. Let's not forget that it's micro and small businesses which bear 
are the brunt of corporatisation. Now, I know our political masters love to tell us that micro and small businesses in Australia are the engine room of the economy. They're not the engine room of the economy. It's the corporate world. All right, let's move. And they are the engine room of the economy because they're in a position to set the agenda as far as economic activity is concerned because we have allowed corporatisation to dominate the economy in this country. So, Joe, I can hear you saying, look, Dr Joseph Toscano, independent uh, candidate for the electorate of Mulgrave, which the great Premier, Mr Daniel Andrews, the professional politician, is the current representative. How do you fund these policies? Well, you will notice that not one, not one of the major political parties is really willing to look at funding. Well, I'm going to look at funding, and this is the more revolutionary aspect of those mild, mild, very mild reforms I've suggested, which somehow seem radical in 2022 in the state of Victoria and Australia. Food security, energy security, housing security, health security, education security, recreation security. All seems a bit radical, doesn't it? These are mild reformist programs. So what's the revolutionary component or the radical component? One, how do we fund public housing? 50% of stamp duty revenue raised on property sales to be quarantined for a spot purchasing and building program to greatly increasing public housing stocks. This would result in 100,000 Victorians being housed in public housing annually. And if you think this is a pipe dream, let's not forget that over 80% of people in Singapore live in public housing, over 40% of people in Germany live in public housing. And both these sovereign nation states have seen the provision of public housing as an essential component of the services they provide to the people they rule. Now, how do we raise money to fund food security, energy security, health security, education security and recreation policies or possibilities for people? A 1% super land tax on landholders, individuals, businesses and corporations who own more than $5 million of property in Victoria. That would exclude at least 95% of the Victorian population. And I'm sure if you own more than $5 million of property, that a 1% super land tax on landholders or property owners is no great imposition. Two, now a lot of businesses and corporations don't own property because they can get a beautiful tax deduction by renting properties or leasing properties. So let's collar them into this little argument. A 1% rent tax on individuals, businesses and corporations who pay more than $5 million rent annually. Right? So if you pay $100 million annually, a 1% tax 
on that $100 million. And there are many corporations that pay more than $100 million tax annually. And for our friends in the gig economy who seem to have escaped scot-free, a 1% turnover tax on businesses and corporations who use virtual platforms who pay minimal rent and payroll tax if they have a turnover of more than $5 million annually. Now, obviously, these taxes will go a long way to providing food security, public housing security, public health security, education security and recreation for the people of Victoria. And if people want to take up this issue anywhere else in Australia at a state level, they can. State elections come and go. So why bother? Well, now, the more important issue. How can some idiot like me do this without your support? Well, I can't. It's very simple. I need financial support. I'm looking for about $5,000 in donations. We'll receive a receipt for every donation received uh, to cover basically printing costs. I want to do two things. I want to do a, a mass letterboxing campaign, not knocking on people's doors and annoying them, but a mass letterboxing campaign in the electorate, outlining these policies and the way to actually fund these policies. So I require about 30 to 40 people to assist me to do this mass letterboxing campaign. And obviously, uh, during the pre-polling phase and during the polling day on the 26th of November, Saturday the 26th of November, obviously we also need people to hand out uh, policy, not how to vote cards, but policy cards. Again, something people can look at, take home, maybe think about at a future. So is it worth the effort? Of course it's worth the effort. If it's not worth the effort, what's the point? So over the next week or so, you'll see you'll see uh, on my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the Public. You'll see a new Facebook page, Toscano for Mulgrave, and that's the number 4, 4 Mulgrave, um, pop up uh, with a list of places I'll be in October uh, to uh, meet people, uh, to uh, get their support, but more importantly, to get your support to assist in the campaign. Now, Mr Andrews is a very uh, public figure, okay? Now, people say, why his electorate? Because... The policies that are currently being carried out by the Australian Labor Party in Victoria are sickening because they are not focused on positive human f- human reforms. They're not. They're focused on a never-ending construction blitz, a never-ending blitz of you know, you know, construction for profit's sake. It's just it's totally ridiculous, based on privatisation. If those shearers who were involved in the 1891 failed shearer strike, which led to the formation of the Australian Labor Party, actually saw what the Labor Party was doing today, especially in Victoria, they'd be turning in their graves. So if you want to bother, if you're interested, give us a call. 0439 395 489 Zero four three nine three nine five four eight nine. Okay, let's move on. 
economic merry-go-round. Isn't it wonderful? How it it goes over and over again, the same crap. All right, let's let's go through the let's make sense of this current economic merry-go-round. Okay, inflation. What's inflation? Inflation occurs when there is a lack of supply of a good or there is too many people wanting the same good. Right? So it's basically a lack of supply. It's maybe that not enough is produced and too many people want the same good. All right? Very simple. That's how inflation occurs. Now, the pandemic and the measures which were taken to contain the damage caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, the human damage in this society, which I supported, and I make no bones about that, caused issues as far as what are called supply chains is concerned. So we had inflation. Now, the Reserve Bank, which is theoretically independent, but it's not independent because the Reserve Bank is basically there to ensure that the private investment for private profit mantra continues to be uh, the be-all and end-all of activity in our society, has decided we need to kill inflation because if prices go up, wages will go up and get this merry-go-round and then we'll find ourselves in Germany in the 1930s. So how do they kill inflation? They kill inflation by increasing interest rates, they say. Well, let's increase interest rates. And in this situation, they're increasing interest rates rapidly. But there's a problem. There is a big problem. When there was the last rapid rise in interest rates in Australia in 1994, which led almost led to the bankruptcy of many businesses, it was businesses which carried the can. In the last 40 years, and I'm going to use the four words again, I'm sorry, during the globalisation, corporatisation, deregulation, private uh, deregulation, globalisation era, we are in, what we saw is that the bottom line of most corporations has improved dramatically because what has happened is through immigration policies which put downward pressure on wages, through legislation which has almost destroyed the trade union movement, we have seen wages stagnate in this country. So as wages stagnate, and we opened up the property market to investors, foreign investors as well as local investors, what happened is that the prices of property escalated. Not just investment, not just businesses and shops and offices and factories, but the houses that people live in. I've given you this example before and I'll give it to you again. In 1982, I think, or was it 83, I was in a fortunate position of getting the bank to buy me a little house in Richmond for $42,000. Right? The bank lent me the money. Nice people, the banks. 
Now, I saw that same house go up for sale in 2016. I thought, oh, this is interesting. I'll go and have a look at the this little house, which was sitting on the ground. It didn't even have any concrete stumps anymore. Nothing had happened to the house. hadn't changed. It was still slanted. You know, somebody put a coat of paint on the outside. Now, that house sold for $1.2 million, okay? That's almost, what's that, almost, that's three, what, 30 times more or 20 times more than what I bought it for in the space of, what, 30 years. Now, wages haven't increased 20-fold in the last 30 years. So obviously what's happened in the last 30 years is that more and more of people's disposable income or income goes into paying off mortgages or rent because as housing prices escalated, investors needed to get their money back so they increased rents, which we're seeing now. So here we have the Reserve Bank, right? It's currently rapidly increasing interest rates. Now, it takes two to three months for that increase in interest rates to appear on your ledger as far as your $500,000 mortgage is concerned or as far as your rent is concerned, right? It takes a few months for it to filter through. So this time, the major victims of increase in Interest rates will be mortgage holders and investors, not the corporate world, because the corporate world has reversed the profitability equation. Forty years ago, if the corporate world made a dollar, two-thirds of that dollar would go to the workers who created that profit and one-third would go to the investors. Today, in the corporate world, Two-thirds of any profit goes to the investors and one-third goes to the workers. So that means that people who are working, whether it's blue-collar, white-collar, professional, semi-professional, manual, unskilled, skilled, what that means is the return to them is not as high as it is to the investor. Therefore, they've got less disposable income. So how are they going to kill this inflation, which most likely is not due to demand, pent-up demand, but was most likely due to supply issues? They're going to increase interest rates. And the main people who will be affected are people who are paying mortgages and rents, not the corporate world. That's how it works. You privatise the profits, socialise the losses, and as far as you're a concern, well, it's your problem. It's not the government's problem. Now, if the government was really interested in assisting people as far as housing is concerned and rents are concerned and mortgages are concerned and housing security is concerned, you would think at the state and federal level, and especially at the state level, there would be push huge push for public housing. But there is no push for public housing. There's some push from the Victorian Greens, but there is no push from the Labor-Liberal Coalition. I call them the Lab-Lib Coalition. It's all about 
privatising the public housing sector. So if you want change, if you want even reform these days, we need to be involved in activities which challenge the dominant ideology. Now, you see, when you're involved in a human-focused reform campaign, I don't care what the colour of your skin is, what your cultural background is, what language you speak, what your sexual preferences are, what's your attitude to gender, whether you're physically less capable or intellectually less capable than anybody else because of maybe injuries, disabilities, who knows. It doesn't really matter. Because if you look around the world, especially the Western world, we are seeing a change in the people who actually make decisions. There's more gender equity. There's more people of colour. But that's not the issue. The issue is, it's not the colour of the foot that's on your neck, whether it's wearing a high heel or not. The issue is that somebody's got their foot on your neck. And that's the issue today. There's a lot of campaigns regarding issues. But there's no campaigns, no concerted campaigns anymore, which look at the fundamental problem that we all face, inequalities in power and wealth, and that is the anarchist struggle. Anarchism is about creating a society without rulers, not without rules. It's about breaking down hierarchy. It's about holding wealth in common. It's about satisfying basic human needs. And that's why we talk about things like universal basic incomes, policies which satisfy basic human needs. And it looks like a representative democracy is not able to do that. But we can actually use the process to raise ideas which are never raised. Let's move on. Peter Norman Day, the 9th of November, which, sorry, the 9th of October. What am I talking about? I've gone crazy here. The 9th of October, which is this Sunday, 9th of October, Peter Norman Day, 9th of October. Now, at 2pm on the 9th of October, we will, well, a few of us, there won't be billions of you, I know that, but a few of us will be congregating or meeting at the Peter Norman statue, which was erected in 2019 to Peter Norman, at Lakeside Stadium, which is at 33 A-E-G-H-T-I-E Drive, Albert Park. As I said, Lakeside Stadium is just across the path or the road from the Aquatic Centre. It's in Albert Park. Uh, it's at the south-west corner of Albert Park. There's a big car park in the middle and it's very easy to find uh, the statue. Just walk down towards the uh, city and you'll find it. There'll be some of us there at 2pm 
So why are we wasting an afternoon or a few hours to, you know, remember this day? Well, the key is I will stand with you. I will stand with you. When Tommy Smith and John Carlos, Afro-American athletes, who won the gold and bronze medal in the, in the uh, 200 metres at Mexico City in 1968, shared the dice with Peter Norman, an Australian born in, born in Coburg in Melbourne. Peter Norman said to them, I will stand with you. And that's what the Peter Norman commemoration is all about. I encourage you to go to the Peter Norman commemoration commit Peter Norman commemoration Facebook page or my own Facebook page Joseph Toscano Toscano for the public and you'll find all the information you need there but personal invitation to everybody listening come and join us this Sunday 2pm at the entrance to Lakeside Stadium in Albert Park to honour the stand taken by Peter Norman this is not about honouring somebody who still holds the Australian record for the 200 metres 54 years later. This is about honouring somebody who found themselves in a situation they could not have envisaged when they left Melbourne to go to the Mexico Olympics, who made a stand and who paid a huge price for making that stand as we continue to see around the world, people paying a personal price for making a stand. That's what the Peter Norman commemoration is about. And if you think this is just something we've plucked out of thin air, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that the uh, United States Athletics Committee designated the 9th of October the day of Peter Norman's funeral in Melbourne as Peter Norman Day to recognise the stand he took about universal human rights. Not about the rights of one particular group, but universal human rights. In Tommy Smith's autobiography, he states quite categorically their protest was for all the oppressed people around the world. This to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, finally, yes, finally, you'll get rid of me soon. Finally, I'd just like to say that I'm a bit concerned. And I'll tell you why I'm concerned. I'm concerned about resignation and cynicism. I'll tell you why. Resignation and cynicism is a 21st century malaise. It's a malaise which has occurred has a direct result of the inability or more importantly the unwillingness of representative democracy looking after the interests of the people that democratic institution supposedly represents. 
resignation and cynicism is the 21st century aphrodisiac of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. It's no accident that time after time after time after time after time when you look at a parliamentary legislative agenda at the state and federal level that we don't see legislation going through parliament which actually challenges their ability to exercise power. It is no accident because of the failures of representative democracy. And it's important that we are not resigned to the fact that nothing will change. Whenever I use the word resigned, I, I have an image crop into my head. I have that drawing of the slave ships which crossed the Atlantic from Africa to the Americas. And you had all these people chained on their backs at the bottom of these ships, human cargo. Now, if those people who were against slavery were resigned to the fact that this would continue ad nauseum, we'd still have it in the 21st century. And that's the difference. It's people like you and me that make the difference. We are the people we've been waiting for. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. If you're interested in supporting the Toscana for Mulgrave campaign, give us a call on 0439 395 489. Interested in what I have to say? Go to the YouTube channel, Public Interests Before Corporate Interests. Interest. You can also go to Facebook pages, Joseph Toscana, Toscana for the Public. Public housing, everybody's business. Public housing, defend and extend public housing. Look, there's tons of stuff out there. Twitter, Instagram, podcasts. The program is podcast. You can go to 3cr.org.au. You can always write at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. But ultimately, we are the people we've been waiting for. We need major structural change. It's ludicrous that in the 21st century we have lost most of the gains which were made through the struggles of people like Mick Fugel, who died last week, and we've lost all that to the privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, deregulation, neoliberal agenda which dominates every aspect of life in Australia today. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week courtesy of the Community Radio Network, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio 3CR. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.